This is SQPN, the StarQuest Production Network, leading the way. This episode of The Secrets of Star Wars is brought to you by Bluehost, a great hosting provider for your web or blog or forum or anything else you want to do online. It's very affordable, great service. It's one of the best in the world. Take it from me. I'm using it myself. Go to sqpn.com bluehost for more information. And buy my book, Geek Priest, Confessions of a New Media Pioneer, filled to the brim with Star Wars stories and so much more. You can order it at the Amazon store. And before you do that, click on the link on our website and your purchase will help support our show. These are the Secrets of Star Wars, episode number 17. Hello, Star Wars friends and fans from all over the world. Welcome to a new episode of the Secrets of Star Wars, recorded in the middle of summer. That's why you had to wait a little while, because, well, you know, it's summertime. Everybody's going easy and slow and... Dom, you were on vacation. I am preparing to go on vacation. But we managed to squeeze in this episode because there is one franchise that is not taking a vacation, and it is Star Wars. Filming has been going on. There is so much news since the last time we recorded this episode, and I'm so excited because, Dom, right now, Star Wars is filming not far from here. Well, it's on the other side of the pond in Ireland on an island uh, one of these beautiful islands in, in the northern part of Ireland is called Skellig Michael. Mark Hamill is there. We know that Daisy Ridley is probably there. So that gives us a clue as to what they might be filming there. We're going to talk about that. Of course, we're going to talk about other locations in the UK that are known to have had the, well, at least have been strongly rumored to have had Star Wars visits like Puzzlewood. We have news about Han Solo, uh, Harrison Ford. He's recovering. We're going to talk about uh, a new casting announcement and, of course, this leaked rumor about, well, this leaked plot, which is a rumor which is confirmed by some people and heavily denied by other people. So we're going to talk about that as well. But first, let me ask you, Dom, how are you doing? I'm great. Uh, I'm 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 so happy that we could fit this uh, recording in because I mean, like you said, there's so much going on. Uh, you know, I I got to take a vacation with the family, but gosh, I I I didn't want to be out of touch with the, the Star Wars news because there was so much happening, uh, and it's so exciting to see how much progress is is being made in this movie, and, and sh- the fact that they're doing so much that that, that this is. Um, this is such a big movie, you know, oh, it's, even on its own. It's fantastic. And we know that Star Wars usually is very fast-paced. We go from one scene to another. George Lucas was known for that on the set. He was always going, let's do this again, faster, faster. And that's why these movies are so exhilarating, because you go from location to location. And it, it looks to me that this episode seven is going to have that same pace. We're going to see so many different locations, different planets, uh, various storylines that are going to be intertwined. I am super excited. And this is just one of those vacations I, I, where I can't go anywhere without an internet connection because I want to stay in touch. Exactly. One of the things that we got thanks to the BBC is a report on some filming going on in the Forest of Dean, also known as Puzzlewood. Let's listen to the to the report. This there. is no small-scale movie shoot. Winnebago's, equipment vans, cars with blacked-out windows, seemingly hundreds of staff. But if this was the casting crew of the new Star Wars film, no one was giving anything away. So no one can say whether it's Star Wars or not? No. Security were friendly, even traipsing across a field to check we were okay, and later on, more than happy to confirm what was being filmed here. What is it you're filming? Country Farm. Country Farm. 
I don't think you are. <laughs> I, I know I am, because I told you earlier on. I could try and confirm that. You could. I'll ask Adam Henson. Well, I can confirm it wasn't country file, and soon blue screens were going up to stop us getting a sneaky peek of anything. Even people checking we couldn't see anything between the trees. But we did get a few clues. Do these wigs belong to Jedi Knights? Is this a speeder bike under wraps? But best of all, are these wooden swords used for lightsaber rehearsals? OK, I'm grabbing its straws now, but for local Star Wars fans, they were pretty convinced that the Force was in the forest. I think it's absolutely amazing. I, um, I'm quite honoured to be here, to be honest. I've been a fan for years, and, and to actually be here and try, and try and see a piece of history being made is uh, fantastic. Maybe it's just like another planet or something, just something different. Because normally they do it in different places and try and like, get different atmospheres and things. Despite calls and emails, no one from Disney got back to me, but Puzzlewood does seem to fit the bill for a mysterious planet in a galaxy far, far away. It's already been used in Merlin, Doctor Who and Atlantis, so the perfect habitat if an Imperial Stormtrooper fancies a blaster battle. So if this really is a location for the new Star Wars film, what's it going to be? Is it a return to Yoda's home planet of Dagobah or the home of the furry Ewoks, the forest moon of Endor? Real fans, of course, are hoping that there's no sign in Puzzle Wood of Jar Jar Binks. Steve Nibbs, BBC Points West, in the Forest of Dean. <laughs> Very inquisitive BBC reporter and with a, a, a good sense of humour. <laughs> and knowledgeable. I, say again? In, and knowledgeable. He knew yes. uh, Dagobah and uh, Endor. <laughs> Actually, what's funny, and I only saw this now, I'm re-watching this clip for, the I don't know, the third time. While he's talking about the forest moon of Endor, there's this big satellite dish that appears, ju just the CGI'd in. <laughs> <laughs> very, very funny. Now, it's obvious to me that this has to be Star Wars, even though it wasn't confirmed. But uh, for me, the main clue were those uh, wooden swords. Uh, they're bamboo swords. They look exactly like the type of stuff that they would use for the rehearsals of the choreography. Which gives us interesting clues. Because if they have swords on location there, it means we're going to see lightsabers, right? right. If, we, if we see lightsabers, my immediate thought is, well hey, wow, that looks like something we've seen before. Lightsabers, speeder bikes, a forest. Is this going to be like a revisit of of, um, of the Ewok forest um, that we saw with the speeder bikes? Or is this going to be something that is enhanced digitally? I, I mean, the, the forest that they used for uh, Return of the Jedi, of course, was the forest north of, of San Francisco with these age-old, centuries-old trees. Uh, it's a very different location uh, in terms of the, the how do we say that, the, the vegetation um, than you have in a, in a typi typical, you know, Brit UK, European forest. So it might be something totally different. I actually like that suggestion of that girl that they were interviewing. It's just one of the tourists that uh, came there to see, um, hope to, to hopefully get a glimpse of the actors. Um, you know, a river planet or something like that. I like that. Mm. I don't think we've seen a river planet. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is we got to be careful not to, you know, get stuck on what what has happened in the past. Um, sure, it could be Dagobah. Sure, it could be Endor. But it could be a whole new place. And heck, I'd I'd love to see a new you know new places in this in this uh, new movie. You know, there's no reason we need to go back to all the old locations. Um, and and actually, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking this <laughs> this looks like it could be a set for the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. I mean, yes, this is a, absolutely. <laughs> pictures of this of this beautiful uh, forest. It very it looks very magical. Um, 
yeah, you know, they they have trails where the uh, the like the, the, the they have uh, little bridges made of winding vines or or, um, or branches, and I mean it looks uh, beautiful. Um, if 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 we see lightsabers, it probably means that there's going to be lightsabers um, being used, <laughs> you know, like the Chekhov's old, uh, n- not uh, Pavel Chekhov, but Anton Chekhov's old line: "If you see a gun in the first act, it better be shot in the second act." Well, if exactly. you see a, a lightsaber on set or <laughs> or a sword on set, it probably means it's going to be used on set. Um, however, in, uh, however, there is one thing you have to keep in mind: that um, there is a very active misinformation campaign around all these shooting locations. I've read this now several times that from from various sources that uh, they have actually um, spread rumors around those sites where they are filming that are false. And uh, so you can bet on J.J. Abrams that they've thought of everything. And you won't just get a glimpse of something by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, it could very well be that there won't be any lightsabers, you know. Even this security guard that they were interviewing had his story ready. You know, we're filming, what was it, like farm... Country life? Con- country <laughs> files or something like that. I, I guess it's a, a UK program on TV, which, of course, they were able to co- to confirm that that was not uh, the case. And, by the way, if you see the amount of vans that are parked there in front of the of, of that particular piece of wood uh the, the forest i mean this is a huge operation this has to be a big movie and and not just a television series so yeah it's it's star wars absolutely <laughs> now that is not the only location that we have seen lately there is I think even more exciting news, because we've got some more confirmations about actors being there. Um, And this is happening right now while while we are recording this on a a set of islands. There's actually two islands. This is in the northern part of, uh, so west of of Northern Ireland. Um, Two islands called the Skellig Skellig Islands. <laughs> it's kind of a strange name for for uh, for um, European islands. It sounds something very remote, very Nordic. Anyway, Skellig Michael is one of those two islands. It not only has a spectacular um, geography, where it's this basically this big mountain rising from the sea. It looks from a distance. Um, already something of, of, of out of this world from another planet. It's very rocky, like this dark gray rock, and it's covered in grass and no trees as far as, well, almost no trees. But the, the most interesting thing is that there are very ancient, I think early medieval, perhaps even older, um, uh, settlements for hermits. And there is a monastery on top of that mountain. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I've seen some photos here where you see the crew uh, clearly setting up their a set or there is a, like a black tent and there are people in these yellow uh, fluorescent shirts there um, next to a couple of, of those hermitages, which are basically look like stone igloos. They look like like half a, like a, they're cone shaped made out of rock. Um, from a distance, you cannot really see them, but there are a ton of photos that you can look up on, on the internet and on Google where you can see that this would be a perfect location for, well, let's say a Jedi who is living there remotely in 
well, a very different environment as the planet that he originally came from, but in similar kind of, you know, kind of monk-like situations. And we have confirmation that Mark Hamill is there, visual confirmation. There are a couple of photos of him arriving by helicopter. It's like 10 minutes away from the coast. Um, and he was there with his daughter and his wife. So we know that for sure. We also knew for a while that there, w there was a second main actor involved and everybody was guessing and now it seems and this was just confirmed yesterday i think or today that it is actually daisy ridley she is there on the island with mark hamill now before we talk about the consequences of that and what it could mean to the story let's first listen to a couple of those reports on irish television because they're just too good to uh, pass on and they they've got that delightful irish accent <laughs> let me just play the first one which was um i think two or three days ago when it was known made known that there were, would be an exclusion zone in kerry around those two islands and it was meant to keep everybody from visiting those islands now these are uh, like wildlife preser preserves and so normally you would go there by boat and it's it, it's a unesco site so there are lots of lots of birds very rare birds that are nesting there so but it is a tourist location and for a couple of days nobody was able to go uh, to those two islands. Let's, let's listen to the a first report. A two-mile exclusion zone has been declared around Skellig Michael off the Kerry coast during filming of a new Star Wars movie. Notice of the exclusion zone was issued by the Minister for Transport, Tourism and Sport, Pascal Donoghue. The area is being patrolled by a naval vessel and only those authorised by the Irish Coast Guard are permitted to enter. And then there is a second report, and this goes more in-depth about the filming going on right now. Uh, this, this was yesterday, I think. So it was the second day of filming on Skellig Michael, which is the biggest of the two islands. And here it is. Filming of parts of the next Star Wars movie has been continuing for a second day on Skellig Michael off the Kerry coast. Cast and crew members were ferried by boat and by helicopter throughout the day from the mainland, 12 kilometres to the World Heritage Site. 5am on the pier at Port McGee. Not even the sun had stirred in the South Kerry sky. But the local boatmen were already busy here, bringing crew members on location to Skellig Michael. Of course, for the stars of the movie, a 10-minute shuttle to Skellig Michael by air was preferable to a one-hour crossing by sea. Nice and relaxed here. However, the helipad on Valencia Island was heavily guarded from prying eyes by courteous security personnel. So where were they all going? The UNESCO World Heritage Site Skellig Michael with its 6th century monastic settlement and spectacular Atlantic views. We wanted to go too. Unfortunately, a two mile temporary exclusion zone is in place around the island for everyone's safety. Please just, if you can just stay outside two miles outside Great Skellig, that's, that's all. Thank you very much. Star Wars Episode 7 offers an opportunity to display some of Ireland's most wonderful scenery to the world. You've got generations that will 
that have enjoyed Star Wars have followed it and I think you'll have them coming to the island for many years to come. We've seen the impact the film um, does have on other areas, particularly Ryan's Daughter and Dingle, the field. Um, so it's great to see a global production come in and um, you know showcase our island and Southwest Kerry. Filming of Star Wars Episode 7 has wrapped for the day and is expected to conclude here tomorrow. Pascal Sheehy, RTE News, Skellig Michael, County Kerry. All right, so two reports from Ireland, just a couple of days of filming there featuring Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley. What do you make of this, Dom? Well, first, I just love the way they say filming, but uh, <laughs> Irish accent. Uh, I think I, I, it's it's clear to me. So some of these pictures, there's one picture that shows this board with uh, all these. They look like tags, like almost like a keychain, a keyboard. Mm -hmm. uh, that um, it looks like you you have to wear one of these if you go out to the island, and they have like cast is one of the the sections of the board, and there's only two tags, uh, and they're missing from the board th there. So it looks like we've got. Two members of the cast were filming a um, uh, looks like a scene with just two people. Um, there's initials is O W and K. Well, you know that's not Luke Skywalker. Like, well, those are probably codes. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm gonna guess that the obvious O W is Obi Wan. Doesn't mean that Obi Wan's in the movie, uh, but huh. maybe that's a reference to Luke. And that Luke is in this movie playing a role similar to oh, Obi Wan. Oh, interesting! That's a great theory. <laughs> K could be could be anybody, um, but like you say, there's some people have seen uh, Daisy. So is is her character's name start with a K? Um, there's been some rumors that her character's name is Kira. Mm -hmm. uh, others have said that that no, that's just a, a production name. It's not really what the character's name is going to be. Um, like you said, there, there's all kinds of misinformation and misdirection here. I mean, who knows if the, even that that uh, board was was you know with the two cast members tags uh, didn't mis intentionally mislead, and that there's four cast members or one or something but like that. So uh, we don't know. But I mean, that's just it's interesting. And and I look at this island, and I'm, and I'm saying to myself, this is this, this for the, for um, listeners who who don't haven't had a chance to look this uh, up on online yet. Uh, images of this island. Picture a Bond villain's uh, lair, island lair, and that's what it looks like. I mean, it's just this dramatic rock thrust up from the sea, um, and, and I mean, this is going to be a, an incredible location uh, once we see it on screen. I, it's, I mean, they're picking some of the most amazing places. Uh, we talked about Iceland before, and you know, the, the desert in Abu Dhabi. I mean, this is going to be incredible. This could actually be. Something that might be combined with the footage shot in in Iceland, uh, because it's. It, I, I think they could be able. They would be able to fit it in. I mean, we shouldn't be surprised that, that they will will take this, and and you know use all sorts of other wizardry to kind of create one planet. And this is just one of those locations. Um, I think they're totally right by saying that, that this is going to be a huge boost for tourism. I'm actually already planning my next vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I also want to go to Puzzlewood because I want to see that forest with my own eyes, walk around there. And by the way, there is one thing I forgot to mention about Puzzlewood, and that is that we heard about the casting of a certain Pip. What was his first name again? Pip Anderson? And I think he's from that area. So I'm not sure if that has anything to do with, uh, with them filming at Puzzlewood, um, but it might. I don't know. Could, or it could just be a coincidence. And they do say that the that Puzzlewood might have been uh, an inspiration for J.R.R. Tolkien 
uh, while he was writing The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So, Fascinating. Uh, so any fan of that would, would probably uh, enjoy that as well. Amazing. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if you have a forest, there have to be inhabitants. There will be animals. I mean, we've seen a forest at the beginning of The Phantom Menace, you know, with the, the, the big uh, stampede caused by the landing of the Trade Federation's troops. Um, that was a forest um, a, a, a little bit similar to this. But I might, you know, I, it, there might also be a, uh, something like Ewoks or Wookiees or something new. Or, mm-hmm. or perhaps Yoda's people. Who knows? We still don't know if we will ever get to see more Yoda in the future. And why wouldn't we? That would be interesting. Hmm. Although it might also kind of break the, the 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 mythology around Yoda. He's kind of unique. And as soon as you introduce, it, it, it might be a little bit like um, you know seeing all those Wookies in the holiday special. <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> oh no, we thought that Chewbacca was unique, and then of course later on, George Lucas gave us a whole planet full of Wookies. Oh, yes. So I don't know if I want to see Yodas in that forest, but we might see something totally different. Why not? After all, they also need to make toys, right? <laughs> <laughs> there needs to be some cute and uh, cute character in this, I guess. For oh, absolutely. Hasbro. <laughs> anyway, the location looks spectacular, and again, it's, it's the umpteenth confirmation that this is going to be a movie based on the physical world, and... I think that this Star Wars movie might look the best of all the Star Wars movies because so much of it is going to be real. And and that is something that I'm super excited about. There was a, a very funny video um, on one of those Irish websites. I think it was the, um, the same website where I got these two other reports from, where they actually uh, had two Irish, Irish stormtroopers that were trying to get onto the island. And it's hilarious. And they even have their, you know, Irish stormtrooper accent. <laughs> they stay totally in character. It's a, it's a blast. It's, there's not much information in it, so I won't play it here. And it's very visual. But you, sh- you, you might want to Google it because it's, it's very, very funny. So th- those two locations are what we know. Of course, filming is also going on in Pinewood Studios. That has been the case for many, many weeks now. We've seen tons and tons of tweets from Daisy Ridley and Boyega. These two seem to be inseparable. Yeah, and that tells us. I, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know if what it tells us necessarily about the movie, but it, it leads me to believe that that their their characters are 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 going through the arc of this story together. That's 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 the sense I get from how close it became. Or it could just be they're close in age. They're both relatively you know new to big Hollywood, and that they've bonded over this experience. I mean. It, you know, it could be either one, but uh, we know that they were together in Abu Dhabi um, filming. So uh, you know, it's 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 interesting seeing this perspective from from these young pe- young people who are used to the using uh, the social media and and how different it is for for them than say Mark Hamill's tweets or uh, you know the, some of the other actors involved. It's uh, so it's interesting to see this from the eyes of these 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 newcomers to to this big world that they've they've entered. And they don't seem to be worried at all about tweeting and just posting their photos uh, on Instagram. Um, and they, of course, they, they are aware that millions of people are, are reading what they post, but they have that freshness. And the other day I saw a, a photo uh, taken by uh, Daisy, um, and it, it was a street performer. And I have no idea where that was. It might have well been, you know, somewhere in Northern Ireland. 
um, and it's it's uh, basically a Yoda puppet on stilts, and she has this huge exclamation underneath. It's like I met Yoda, <laughs> and then of course the entire world is like, oh, is Yoda? Oh wait, it's a street artist. <laughs> Now, so we know that these two have been inseparable, except for this scene on Michael, uh, on Skellig Michael. So that's just going to be uh, Luke Skywalker, the type of Obi Wan Kenobi, perhaps, and and Daisy Ridley. Now, I've been thinking, what 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 kind of scene could this be? Where in the movie could this be? And I think there are three possibilities. This could be either at the beginning of the movie. Um, which we, we tend to think about shooting movies in a chronological way, but of course that's totally not the case. They might be filming one scene at the very last, you know, that we'll, we will see at the very last moment in a the movie. They, will, they might film that at the beginning and vice versa. So you have no idea in which order they are filming uh, the scenes. So, But it might be at the beginning where they find, or, or, or perhaps Daisy, Ridley, Daisy Ridley's character finds um, Luke Skywalker, like the call to adventure. Um, if he is that remote, and, and I, don't, I don't think it's uh, by accident there, that there is this monastery. I think that, that would be very likely that he's a hermit, just like Obi-Wan was, and that she is visiting him because she needs him. You know, mm-hmm. you are our last hope, or... You know, General Skywalker, um, you fought in 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 the rebellion, and now we need you. My mom needs you, <laughs> something like that. This could also happen in the middle of the movie. This might be part of a quest where they are visiting that location together, as well. Dare I say it, as teacher and Padawan? How cool would that be if this would mirror, like, um, the, the classical you know, Jedi apprentice model, where the both of them have to go to this location to find whatever, you know, wisdom or, you know, this might be Daisy's retreat or, or, or something like what Dagobah was to Luke Skywalker, where she has to undergo a test or something like that in order to learn the ways of the Force. So that might be the case. Or this might be at the end of the movie, where you know uh, this this episode seven would mirror um, the end of the prequels, where Obi Wan Kenobi goes into hiding, and he's not heard of anymore. So this could also be the farewell, where you know we will never see Luke Skywalker uh, anymore because he's mm. for some reason ending up on this uh, on this island. Those were the three things that I had to think about when it comes to you know the possible place of this in the story. Am I missing something? Is there, could there be another reason? Another no, I mean I think that about covers it. You know, the the whether it's the call, the beginning, the the some kind of uh, confrontation or climactic moment in the middle, or the or an end. Um, what and what it does seem to confirm as well um, is that we won't find Luke Skywalker on Tatooine because he's not been in in Abu Dhabi. That was just mm-hmm. Daisy and 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 Boyega. Um, but we, I've, I've not heard of Mark Hamill being there. Well, there's there's another possibility as well, which is uh, I don't know if you've seen that uh, th- there were some photos from out, outdoors at Pinewood Studios of a Tatooine set. Oh, interesting. If that's the case, then pretty much anybody could be on Tatooine yes, uh, yes. If, if they if they're on the set. So 
maybe, maybe not. But uh, but we'll, we'll, you know, let's go with it. We, we what we do know is that only Boyega and and mm-hmm. uh, David Ridley were were in Abu Dhabi itself. So you know, if Luke Skywalker isn't there, and that's that's perfectly fine. I mean, it, it kind of. We don't have to follow the the original Star Wars mold. I mean, the Luke doesn't have to be where Obi Wan was. Uh, no, I think it would be. I think it would be good. It would. It would be good for the whole Star Wars mythos that that we start breaking some molds and we say, you know, when Luke wanted to retreat, he wanted to get as far away from the desert because yes. that's what he's used to. Well, that's, that's a good point. That's a good point. He he did not like to be on Tatooine, well, so why would he return there? <laughs> There's nothing there yeah. anymore. He found, you know, Skellig Michael or mm-hmm. the the Star Wars universe yeah. universe equivalent, and and you know, I mean, or think of it this way: if you're Luke Skywalker who hates the desert, where do you want to go? You want to go to an island in the middle of an ocean. Mm-hmm. You want to be as close to as much water as possible. That that's what makes it different for him. And yeah, yeah, that's like, a very see- good point. And um, I'm thinking if Daisy's character is looking for for Luke Skywalker. Because, well, she might be Han Solo and Princess Leia's daughter. And for some reason, they need this Jedi to return uh, on the, on the, the, the stage of the, of the universe. Um, then, of course, the first place you're going to look is Tatooine. Because that's where the Skywalkers used to live, right? So, and then they might not find him there. But they might find someone who knows where Luke Skywalker is. So anyway, this is all about this quest for Luke Skywalker, which is also part of that big rumored, you know, plot line that has leaked. Before we go there, I want to play a clip from Mark Hamill himself. This was vi- uh, this is a report from the 25th of July, so that's very recent. He gives us an update about him being in Star Wars. I think he also talks about Harrison Ford's let let's uh, let's take a listen. And again, this is BBC. Joining me now on the carpet is one of the stars of one of next year's Disney blockbusters, Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. Now, Mark, you're uh, midway through shooting Star Wars Episode Seven. You've not really spoken about it yet so far. Tell me, what was it like walking out on set to do your first scene as Luke Skywalker for the first time in 32 years or something like that? Well, uh, it's certainly unexpected. We had a beginning, a middle, and an end. I never thought we'd come back. I still can't believe it's happening. And to go on to those sets that evoke so many memories is just astonishing. I have real ties to this country. My son was born when we were making Empire Strikes Back. He's got two passports. It just seems like an unexpected gift. Tell me, were you on set when Harrison had his accident? How's he doing? I was not on set. It sounded terrible, but I hear he's doing really well. take more than that to stop Harrison Ford. And great being reunited with him and Carrie, Han and Leia. Fantastic. I mean, again, it's, uh, I thought even if they did a third trilogy, we wouldn't be involved because it's really about the new generation of characters. Uh, You know, we're just there to uh, lend our support and uh, grow contractually obligated beards. Now, before we finish, we must talk about that new generation of characters. They're going through the same kind of experience that you did way back in the mid-1970s. What have you thought of their performance on set? Have you given them much advice? Oh, these kids. They're not kids, but they're so talented. Uh, I was just overwhelmed. Uh, They're all so diverse. Uh, There's people I recognize, like Andy Serkis, and new people that I'd never seen before, like Daisy Ridley. But they're so good that I'm thinking of asking them for advice. They, they, I don't want to give any myself. 
and briefly, which one of the original trilogy does this most resemble? Does it have the groundbreaking spectacle of A New Hope, or is it the darkness of Empire, or the sheer joy of Return of the Jedi? And you can't say all three. Oh, well, it really has the spirit of that, that whole universe. In other words, the characters are so relatable. I think that's always the most important thing, because no matter what kind of special effects you have, the audience has to identify with each of the characters. And they've done a great job, uh, JJ and Larry Lawrence Kasdan, in writing a script where you immediately understand who these people are and relate to them. And I think that's the most important thing. Last question, I promise. Very special weekend in the United States, Comic-Con. Uh, I know you love it. You've been going for many years on and off fans, not just of your Star Wars work, all the rest of your work. Have you got a message for everyone at Comic-Con this weekend? Will they see you next year? Well, I hope so. I did do a video to, with Matthew Vaughn for Kingsman Secret Service, which I have a small part in. Uh, it's one of the first cons I've missed in years because I've been the Joker since 1992 in animation. I'm a comic book nerd myself, so I miss all you guys, and hopefully I'll be back next year. Mark Hamill, thank you so much for your time. I hope the rest of the Star Wars shoot goes well. Thanks so much. Mark Hamill uh, appearing at the UK premiere of Guardians of the Galaxy and being quite outspoken and open about his role in uh, in Star Wars. And I have to really command the the interviewer who asks some really good questions, especially the one like, so what is the movie... Uh, that is most similar to the the atmosphere of uh, of episode seven. What do you think about you know about Mark Hamill's re replies here? Well, for the I think this was a great interview. I don't think we've heard this much about someone in the, during the the the, the filming of this. Uh, you know, even when he was uh, at Disney, when we a few episodes ago we talked about this. Uh, I don't think he said as much. I mean, this is um, you know he didn't give anything away, but uh, it 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 tells us that. You know, this is going to be a J.J. Abrams script in the sense of it's like like you said, fast paced. It's gonna it's gonna immediately grab us. We're gonna immediately know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get to know these characters right off the bat and move and move quickly into the story. There's not gonna be a whole lot of build up. I don't think. I think that's what he was saying. Uh, unless I'm, I'm uh, I, I didn't hear uh, you know, him closely enough. But well, and, uh, I, and I love the emphasis on the characters that are relatable because that I think is why. Especially four, five, and six were the fans' favorites because all those characters kind of strike a chord with us emotionally, and um, some people had more difficulty kind of identifying with the people in in the prequels, like a a Qui Gon Jinn who's very distant, very difficult to relate to. Even Obi Wan Kenobi, young Obi Wan Kenobi, was kind of kind of cold in his. I mean, had a bit of sense of humor, but. Didn't have that sparkle of those and the freshness of the characters that we saw in four, five, and six. And uh, it seems to me that that J.J. Uh, Abrams has succeeded in finding, you know, that that sparkle again. Four, five, and six. The characters there were archetypes. They weren't they weren't cliches, but they were they were archetypes. You you immediately knew who they were. You know, Luke was the you know the fresh faced, young, excited, passionate for life. Um, Hansela was the rogue. I mean, you identified these with these characters. You knew who they were immediately. Um, it's not that they were flat, but that you you didn't have to spend a lot of time figuring out, you know, emotionally and, and psychologically, you know, pulling them apart. Like Qui Gon, you know, for example, was it was it was tough because you know he he was so flawed. I mean, he he messed up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that was that was such well, a and, and you want him to be a fatherly figure, but then he's so distant. And and you know, not to mention the tiny detail of dying at the end of the, of the first movie. 
Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, th- those characters were tough to get hold of. You know, I mean, I've always said with Padme, I, I-, I admired the strength of Padme Amidala, except she was so stupid. <laughs> she-, she didn't, she didn't, like, it was hard to buy the character because she didn't see what all of us could, were yelling at the screen saying, obviously he's a bad guy. Why are you falling for this guy? And it, it, and that was, I mean, one of the, uh, you know, we I, I hate to keep going back to the fatal flaws mm. of the of the prequels, but that was one of the big flaws. I'm thinking that that we're, we've gone back to where, you know, our characters are going to be relatable. They're not going to be these, um, they're, they're not going to exhibit these behaviors where we, we yell at the screen saying, why are you so stupid? Why would you, you know? do that? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's that's exciting, um, and, and and especially how he. I mean, of course, you know, you expect them to say nice things about their 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 um, fellow castmates, but you know that that he's you know so complimentary of the young cast, kind of uh, pumping them up, saying that they're uh, you know that they're doing so well. I, I mean, it makes me excited to to see these 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 new actors, you know, people we haven't seen before and see how well they do with these, these, these big new roles. Well, and, and, uh, they did have a very big pool of actors to, uh, to, to choose from. So they've been casting for months and months and we follow that in the early episodes of this podcast. Um, and so they definitely found, you know, the best actors with the best chemistry. And there is, by the way, so much more experience now with these big budget movie casting, you know, procedures that I think we can be very confident that uh, th- this this will just work. Speaking well, of new, but yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted to add one thing about that casting is um, let's recall that J.J. Abrams was, was involved in the casting of Lost and look at all the great, New yes. cast that came out of that. These people, that, you know, almost the entire cast were new people. Evangeline Lilly was was nobody before mm-hmm. Lost, and I mean, is is Daisy Ridley going to be the new Evangeline Lilly? That's what I'm excited to see. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. One of those new uh, actors in Star Wars, but definitely a very seasoned actor. Otherwise, is Andy Serkis, and he was the big mystery uh, appearance in that black and white photo of the first table read, and everybody was wondering. What is he going to do? Who is he going to play? How did he even end up in this movie? Well, he actually talks about it himself in an interview on British television. Um, I think this was last week. It is audio that I recorded from a Facebook video, uh, and it's just filmed with a uh, camera phone. Um, so the audio quality is not very good, but I try to um, to clean it up as much as possible. So let's listen to Andy about how he ended up in Star Wars. I'm guessing uh, the answer to the next question is going to be very short. Um, we're going to talk now about uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. Great. What can you tell us about your role? Great. <laughs> That's it. We got, hang on. Well, we, we, there's proof that you've been there because we've got this photo here from the, yeah. the read-through. Well, you're, you're, you're in the in the bottom left yeah, of, just of the screen there. There you go. Uh, I'm circled bottom left. So, I'm doing yeah. something. Yes, what are you doing? I think I'm actually uh, reading one of my children's school reports. <laughs> um, no, not really. I was concentrating very hard on an amazing read-through. Um, it was that was the day that it was the first gathering of everyone together, and it was an amazing. It was an amazing thing. Did you have to audition for the part? Um, I met with J.J. Abrahams, who, um, it's no secret actually, he went to see um, Matt Reeves, who directed Dawn of Panther the Apes, and he was invited to go and see a very early screening. Um, and the early screening showed the entire show, the entire film, but with us, with our head-mounted cameras on, and you know, before the apes effects had been put on top. 
And, and JJ was very, very interested in that, and, and, and then we met after that. So you're going to be using that style of, of technology, then? You will have, you will have sense I'm of not saying anything about the character. Oh. Oh. I, don't, wait, I don't know I whether my character wait. is live action or full get drawing. Hmm, so he's not even saying if his character is going to be live action or if it's going to be mocap. Mo but he was hired because J.J. Abrams saw a very early version of Planet of the Apes or the dawn of the Planet of the Apes, even without special effects. And on the basis of that, he chose Andy Serkis. Now, I've just seen the dawn of the Planet of the Apes yesterday in, in theaters, and it is amazing. The, the apes, and especially Caesar, who is uh, the ape played by Andy Serkis, is... I mean, those are the star actors. Actually, the, the, the human actors are kind of bland compared to these apes and what they managed to pull off. So um, I think it's, it's one of... The, and, and of course, there's this big debate about how much is Andy Serkis and how much are the animators doing. And Andy is always like, well, you know, it's all me. Whereas the animators are like, well, um, <laughs> we also spend like countless nights on, you know, like f tweaking and fine-tuning the performance. So it's collaboration, but the re the end result was so convincing, and and there was not one single second in that movie that I thought that those apes were not there, and they were all CGI. It's the most stunning CGI animation that I've ever seen. I mean, you see that, and Jar Jar Binks is literally from another universe. It's <laughs> we're nowhere near that kind of of, of uh, animation. So, what do you think? Live action or is it going to be mocap? Well, I don't think. I mean, apart from his 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 sort of bit roles in in uh, when he when he played the the cook in King Kong and a couple of things like that, Andy Serkis is the mocap guy. I mean, that's who you go to when you need uh, someone to do a voice and uh, and and to, and to do motion capture because he's good at it. Not not because he's not a good actor, but because he's a, a great actor. Uh, you know how you know to 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 kind of be in. In a sense, a, a living costume because that's what the the, mm -hmm. the the animated character ends up being, um, and and being able to to show emotion and to and to be to be real. I mean, his performance comes across. I haven't seen the newest um, Planet of the Apes. I saw the previous one, and I've seen his other work, obviously. And you know, the emotion comes across. That feeling of of who this character is. Um, you always end up with the this character is real. In, you know. Schmeagel and Gollum was real, and, and, and Caesar was real. They were real characters, as real as anybody else on the screen. And, and so, believe me, if you see, once you've seen Planet of the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Gollum looks like a, a cartoon. Oh, <laughs> really, yeah. it's so much better. Uh, and even from the trailers, I could oh, I could tell how good amazing. this was going to be. It's amazing, and 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 I'm this is the kind of technology that Star Wars will be using. So I I don't think that the, we 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 will ever think of of a, a man in a costume or a CGI character. This will just be someone who is there. And actually, the technology now allows them to do that. With you know previous movies, even with the Lord of the Rings. They had to film every scene twice, once with him in his mocap uh, costume, and then they would do exactly the same scene. This is also how they, they shot anything with Jar Jar in it. The actors would rehearse or do the scene once with the actor, and then they would film, do exactly the same thing with the same cameras uh, without the actor being there. Now they can just edit him out because the cameras can just, you know, fill in the plates or shoot the plates and I don't know how, how exactly what kind of wizardry they use but I think it will 
again, it's it's not just if he's going to be a CGI character. I think it's it's going to be so real that we won't realize it. Well, and this is the thing. I I, I think it's it's not going to be like a, a Yoda where we we saw wow this is a cool puppet, you know, mm-hmm. or Jar Jar where we say wow this is cool CGI or you know a character. Well, mm-hmm. not cool, but it was a, a CGI character. Uh, we're gonna I think we're gonna believe that he's there. I mean, just like it, in a way, I'd say if Star Wars Episode Four were being filmed today, maybe. Chewbacca wouldn't be a guy in a suit. Chewbacca would be a guy doing mocap and then putting, animating a, a big hairy, you know, Wookiee on top yeah. of him. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to have that same feeling where w- whatever character he plays is just going to be another character. It's it's not going to it's it's not going to we're not going to be saying, look at that mocap character, that CGI character. We're just going to say, look at that character that Indy Circus played, and, and- I think it's going to be great. And it's, it's, it's very likely that his role has actually lines uh, because, of course, we know that Chewbacca will be in the movie. I don't think that he has learned how to speak in the meantime in those 30 years. Um, but I, I do think that since he was concentrating so much on the, on the read-through, I'm just assuming that he has a speaking role. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that worries me a little bit is that we have not heard any report about him being anywhere on location. Mm-hmm. So he's basically not seen, which of course is 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 enhancing the probability that he's doing a mocap role. But I'm st- I keep thinking back of Puzzlewood and and him be you know playing a character in in a forest or something like that. It, that is something that he has done, I, I, and it's probably because I've just seen Dawn of the of the Planet of the Apes. But <laughs> I'm just picturing him as like an ape-like creature in the, in a forest. Speaking of, of of Puzzlewood, I want to go back to one last detail that I forgot to mention uh, earlier on in this show. There is a an unconfirmed report from someone who lives nearby in the area. Now, I'm just going to read it the way I found it on the internet. I have no idea how reliable this is, but it just, you know, it's the kind of fodder that we live on. So this is a report. Um... And it says, my uncle lives up the road and saw a spaceship uh, and or a, a spaceship section on a low loader this morning on his way to work. I just got back from location and all the trailers have gone. They're clearing up now. So four days shoot for one or two scenes. The spaceship was seen being delivered yesterday morning. When I drove by yesterday lunchtime, I couldn't see anything. Traffic cones were placed right where local observers were uh, seen standing earlier. Um so he also registered with a casting agency in Bristol two weeks ago. Of course, hopeful, <laughs> kind, of, kind of late to sign up for Star Wars. And I was waiting for my photo and asked a full-time extra if he was working uh, on that movie and what my chances were. And he said his mate was a stormtrooper on it. And there was only a shortage of little people for this big battle scene they wanted to film. Hmm. Little people. Ewoks? Hmm. <laughs> Could it be? Wow. <laughs> Again, this might be completely made up. I know some people are very good at constructing these rumors so that we do believe them, but it might as well be true, you know? <laughs> well, there's nothing that says they can't animate in redwood trees. Yeah, in the I, I know, I know. possible. Ewoks. Hmm. Wow, that would just be one of the things that they bring back. And I and I think this movie is going to strike a balance between bringing back the nostalgia and letting the older generation, and we are part of that older generation, Dom, 
<laughs> enjoy the things that we loved as a child, as well as introducing us new things. But I think they they have some leeway with the old stuff because they still have so many other movies still to shoot. So I think they can dwell a little bit in that nostalgia. So who knows? Ewoks. Why not? Now that we have Jar Jar, Ewoks actually seem fine to a lot of fans. No, let's do not <laughs> let's not do any more Jar Jar hating. Because kids love Jar Jar. Let's let's be honest. My my nephews love Jar Jar. And and it's it's it was me- it was meant for them and not for me. I want to talk about the uh, this this nostalgia factor, and I want to play a, an audio clip that I spent quite some time uh, on cleaning it up from all the swear words and inappropriate content. This was a part of a talk by Kevin Smith, who is a huge Star Wars fan and who actually had the opportunity to visit Pinewood Studios. And I just want to play this because Dom, I think that you and I can totally relate to the kind of emotions that he went through. Let's listen. But when I went to the set, get into the, to the um, uh, Lucasfilm office where you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, which says you're not going to say what you saw. So I can't tell you exactly what I saw. We'll work around it. Um, sign that. There's a poster hanging on the wall right there, and it shows an Imperial Starship commander in uniform going like this. And it says, loose lips sink starships. So they want you to not talk about what you see. And I said, this is awesome. And his assistant, Morgan, goes, JJ hung that up for you. (laughs) So I was like, I got it, I got it. So we go to the set, and they're actually shooting. And they're shooting, and, and this is what I can't tell you what they were shooting, but what I saw I absolutely loved. And it was tactile. It was real. It wasn't a series of green screens and blue screens in which later on digital characters would be added. It was there. It was happening. I saw old friends that I haven't seen since my childhood who aren't really friends, but I love them more than some of my relatives. Um, I saw uh, uniforms. I saw artillery that I haven't seen since I was a kid. I saw them shooting an actual a sequence in a set that is real. Like you, I walked across the set, there were explosions. It was every, and it looked like a shot right out of a Star Wars movie, man. I watched him do it like four times, standing there next to JJ. I was like, man, good for you, you're doing it. And I was still clinical at this point. It was still filmmaker Kevin Smith going, this is smart, you've got everything everybody loves in the movie, so it connects right back to our childhood. You're doing it justice, man. You're avoiding any mistakes, like you're doing a great job. This is, this is a Star Wars movie everyone's gonna see. Oh, Blah, blah, blah. But it's still clinical. It's not here yet. It's working its way here, but it's still here on the level of like, this is a very smart decision. This is going to work better than the last ones. And then JJ says to Morgan, his assistant, he goes, take Kevin to stage M. And I said, oh, I know it's on stage M because I've seen online. That's the only reason I could talk about the Millennium Falcons because people put up pictures online, said the Millennium Falcon's being built. So it's been out there. So they took me to stage M. There's a guy who opened the door for us, and, and um, she was like, can you turn on the lights? And he was like, right on, hold on. And he turns the lights on, and there's the Millennium Falcon from my childhood. Now, it's the, sh- the outside looks like a movie set, but inside, fully replicated, fully built. The guy told me they took two blueprints, Star Wars and Empire, because the cockpit in Empire, never knew this before, cockpit in Empire was bigger than the cockpit in Star Wars. So they went somewhere between the two. So he takes me over, and I'm just looking at it. You could look at it from the outside, and you could still see inside, and I don't presume we're going aboard or anything. And then Morgan says, you ready to go up? 
I said, we can go on it? And she said, yeah. And I said, right on. And I'm still clinical at this point. I'm still like, I'm going to step on the Millennium Falcon set. And I did. I stepped on the Millennium Falcon set, and my foot went on the landing ramp, and 10 years dropped off my life. Took another step, another 10 years drop off my life. I take another step, I'm an 18-year-old again. I take another step, 12. Take another step, I'm nine years old when Empire Strikes Back comes out, and I'm only halfway up the bridge. <laughs> and then when I get to my last step, man, seven. I'm seven years old, standing on the ramp of the Millennium Falcon, and I just started crying. So as I walked up that ramp, I realized something was missing from those other movies, and it's now in these movies. And it's not the obvious of like, hey, the Millennium Falcon, or hey, the characters that we know that are returning. It's, it's something else entirely. He's building a tactile world, a world you can touch, and he's replicating it with all the love of somebody that has the world's greatest collection of Star Wars figures. It looks fantastic. So anybody who's sitting there wondering like, oh, I wonder if he's gonna pull it off, he's pulling it off. He showed me cut scenes, showed me sequences, images, pictures, like I cried. Dude, I cried and I hugged that guy. And I'm sure as I was crying on him and hugging him, he's like, time is money, you know, because they're making a movie. But he got it. He was, he was very flattered. And I was like, honestly, dude, like you're doing it. You're making my childhood again. Like you're doing Star Wars, our Star Wars. Star Wars still means the world to me. I don't know why, you know, it shouldn't. I've, I've seen behind the curtain. I know how movies are made. But yet that mythology like called out to me. It was like being a lapsed Catholic, walking into the, into the Sistine Chapel and suddenly remembering everything from your childhood, all those prayers, all those songs and shit like that. So yeah, I, if, if he captures just a 10% of the feeling that I had by putting my foot on the deck of the ship, now we all ain't gonna get the chance to do that, put our, you know, walk on the Millennium Falcon. But if he captures just 10% of what I felt, they're gonna make a gazillion dollars. It'll be the top grossing film of all time because it's old home. It's, it's seeing everybody you wanna see again in a brand new adventure moving forward. I, I, I can't wait. If walking onto the set of... Star Wars 7, seeing the Millennium Falcon is anything like walking into the Sistine Chapel, and I did that, then I can totally relate to what he's saying. Oh I my thought gosh. that was very, a very interesting uh, uh, analogy he made there about, you know, be, like being a Lapsed Catholic and, and, and rediscovering, you know, re encountering something that was so precious to you, you know, in, in your life. Uh, you know, we, not, you know we, none of us have, have our lapsed Star Wars fans, I would probably, listening to this podcast, but, but it's something that we haven't encountered for many years, that, that same feeling. And it might be part of our, you know, why, we, why so many of us were a little disappointed with uh, the, the prequels is because it didn't feel like those original movies when we went and saw them when I was, you know, uh, and, and I think you were uh, also, you know, nine or ten years old. You know, the, 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 these these movies, you know, this is what's so great about J.J. Abrams doing this movie is he's a fan. He loves Star Wars the same way that you and I love Star Wars. And he's making the movie and he's got enough enough. He's got enough juice in Hollywood that he can make the movie the way it should be made. You know, no, the studio isn't going to come around and say, no, 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 no. We need you to make a more commercial, commercially acceptable movie. No, he's making it a great movie, the way a, a proper Star Wars movie needs to be made, recapturing the feeling without being overly nostalgic, I think. I think that's the key, is, 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 is that balance between you know, service to the fans for, for the, for 30, who've been loyal for 30 some odd years, and, and also being uh, approachable for new fans, a new generation of fans. Um, this, you know, 
Kevin Smith in his in his way that, that he has, you know, really and captures that. I mean, that that idea of wow, what would it be like to walk on to the the actual Millennium Falcon and realize this thing that was so formative for me, you know, for me personally as a child, you know, seeing Star Wars changed my my life in in many ways. It's not I don't think that's being uh, overly dramatic, but it did you know change how I approached a lot of life. That it's real again, you know, and you can kind of go home again, as is that as the as the saying goes. We got a little taste of that excitement, and I did feel like uh, seven year old me again when I saw that fame now very famous YouTube clip recorded by J.J. Abrams outside <laughs> of Pinewood Studios in front of a blue colored, slightly different X-wing fighter. Oh Hi, my gosh. Abrams here from currently sunny London. Uh, eight weeks ago, we announced that we were offering a chance to be in Star Wars Episode 7 as part of Star Wars Force for Change, an initiative benefiting UNICEF and millions of kids around the world. We cannot tell you how grateful we are for your support. People from over 119 countries have already participated, and that's incredible, and we're so grateful. But we're still going. We have one week left. So for this final week, we're offering you and a friend a chance to visit the set of Star Wars Episode 7 and be in the movie. But we're offering something else, a chance to win an advanced screening of episode seven before it hits theaters. By supporting Force for Change, you can win a private screening of the movie in your hometown and invite 20 of your closest friends and family. Imagine that, We know how Dom. much Star Wars means to so many of you, and we'd love to share the movie with you first. Best podcast episode ever. a truly great cause. Oh, sure, go ahead. And there's the pilot. So, for your final chance to win, visit omaze.com slash Star Wars. Thanks again for your support. Hope to see you on set this summer. What's that doing here? <laughs> that. Yeah, that was so awesome. I mean, I was cheering when I saw that, and then followed by the music and and just the. Oh, fantastic! That X-wing fighter. What an amazing thing. We've seen that thing being built when it yeah. was in the early stages, and now we see the real thing. There were some people that said. It looks so good, it has to be CGI. This is all trickery, but it's not. It's oh. That's why he's leaning against it. it. This is all practical, and it looks fantastic. The The pilot looks so identical to the rebel pilots that we saw in A New Hope. And um, the, the, the X-Wing fighter, there's been some debate about it. People were like, okay, uh, is this truly an X-Wing fighter, or is this, um, what's the model of the space? Right. Well, I think it was confirmed afterwards that, that that is this is actually truly a an X-wing fighter. But people were like, "Oh, why the color blue? Because aren't they supposed to be red?" Well, this is uh, uh, both an homage to the original design by Rolf McQuarrie, and I, I'm pretty sure we have seen the artwork. This looks almost identical to uh, one of those scenes that he um, that he conceptualized even before you know one frame was shot. And the color blue, because that, that original design by Rolf McQuarrie was also had th- that red red stripe. But it, uh, from what I've heard, the color blue is what George Lucas wanted originally for the X-Wing fighters. But he couldn't pull, pull it off because they were filming against blue screen. And so they had to avoid the color blue. And that's why, for instance, the dome of R2-D2 in, uh, b- before they did the uh, special editions was almost black. Right. And it had no color, and it was because 
uh, they were filming against blue screen, and so they couldn't use that color blue. And, and so later, of course, they were able to digitally alter it. But I love it that this is an homage to both Rolf McQuarrie and to George Lucas. If this is the kind of approach that they have towards all these, you know, mm-hmm. the stuff that we're going to see, it's it's so respectful. And that is, I think, what 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 makes me so excited about it. You know, a couple things uh, I see this. For one thing, um, it was confirmed officially by the Star- official Star Wars Twitter mm-hmm. account that it is an. Ep- they said an Episode Seven X-wing, not a Z ninety five. Oh, cool. Do you notice what's missing? And I don't know if that's just be- in this shot or if it's going to be missing from the 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 final uh, what they use in the film. But there's no R two unit. Well, but you can't really tell if there's a hole or not. Right, that's what I'm saying. Is you know, so, that might have been just for this shot. They didn't yeah. bother dropping an R2 in there. I think that that's what we'll see later on because yep. it's just parked there, and yep. I think the pilot was just you know didn't have his coffee <laughs> before he <laughs> made. Like I'm forgetting something. I can't really figure out what it is. <laughs> hey, let's let's briefly go to the rest of the Star Wars news. There is just so much news that I I, I already kind of dreaded recording this episode. It's like, how are we going to cram all this into one hour? But there is another casting uh, announcement. Um, Christina Chong was cast very late in the game. Um, She joins Adam Driver, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, Mark Hamill, Cara Fisher, Harrison Ford. Um, It's unknown who she will play in this movie, but it's said to be a minor role. She was seen previously in... uh, um, 24, the movie 24, Live Another Day. Um, I have not seen that movie, actually. I don't think it came out in uh, in Europe. It actually was a, seri- the, the, a, a shortened series that just wrapped up. It just finished. Uh, it was filmed in the UK, and um, uh, it, it, was, uh, it, was 12, it was 12 hours instead of 24. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> very, qu- very fast a, uh, hours. Yeah, she played a, um, a a detective that was in one episode. She okay. was, you know, it was wasn't much of a role. She also got the female lead in um, the digital feature project Halo Nightfall. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might indicate that they were looking for someone who has experience with uh, filming with you know CGI motion capture or something like that. Right. But again, minor role, probably also because she's cast late in the game. But I still wanted to mention it. Uh, there were some rumors, and this is an ongoing thing on the internet about. Star Wars being postponed to summer 2016, mostly due to uh, Harrison Ford's injury. Now, we know that there will be actually a break of two weeks in the fall, um, and this has to do with the with Harrison Ford recovering. However, we've also seen so many reports about him recovering quite well. Most of his fellow actors have said that. And yesterday, I saw the first proof, visual proof of that. It is a photo of Harrison Ford walking without any aids. And he's standing next to a helicopter, so I, I'm not sure where this photo was uh, was taken. In California. In California. Well, there you go. So, But he's walking. So, yep. and he's, I think he's got a slight, like uh, a hint of a beard, but I'm not sure if it's a contractual beard or just <laughs> a beard of him being, you know, at home and not really caring about shaving. But it looks to me that he is going to be up on his feet um, and and back in London soon. So I'm, for now, very optimistic. And uh, this is, of course, we we could talk for hours about the the potential, you know, the hypothesized battle going on behind the scenes, like the the true Star Wars between the Disney officials and then J.J. Abrams and... 
I think, you know, what proof do we have? It's probably something we will learn much later on in, you know, one of the commentaries on the on the Blu-ray 10 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> I've just watched the Blu-ray of um, uh, Alien 3, which mm. was a disaster. They, were, they started to film and they had built all these very expensive sets without having a clue about the story. And um, when they were issuing the first Blu-ray, I think, Fox uh, um, prohibited the release of a of a documentary about the disasters happening behind the scenes, <laughs> and it was only years later in this like the special special edition that we finally got to see the whole debacle that was happening. Well, S- Star Wars is not like that. They know what they're doing. Exactly. I want to I want to ask you about the mouse droid. By the way, there was some debate uh, in the fan world about that droid. I mean, is it is it an Empire? Robot? Does this mean that the Empire is back? Are these <laughs> robots more universal? Uh, are they being repurposed? Is this a toy uh, owned by Chewbacca? <laughs> I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, the Empire Strikes Back again. Uh, <laughs> the return uh, well, of the mouse droid. According to according to non-canon uh, sort of uh, uh, sources, uh, you know, various books and other things out there, it, it was something that was specific to Imperial ships and. <clears throat> that kind of leads to actually this other rumor which I've heard, which is that um, when Ke- uh, Kevin Smith was asked, um, did you see stormtroopers? He didn't say anything. He just nodded his head and had a big smile. Um, and it leads to the, the a plot rumor, which is that Gwendolyn Christie, who we learned about being cast uh, in, the, in the movie, she's a, you know, a, a regular on Game of Thrones, that she plays an Imperial officer who is hunting down uh, a deserter stormtrooper Mm-hmm. So the Empire is involved here somewhere. The Empire is still around or some remnant of it. We've speculated with that before. And that that deserting stormtrooper was, was is the character played by John Boyega. Yeah, well, interesting. The, the source of this rumor is the same source that gave us that uh, leaked plot line, which I, we need to address at the end of this podcast because it's been, you know, quite the... the it's substantial in the in the Star Wars fan world. Um, so this was, I think, first revealed by David Faraci at Badass Digest, yeah. and uh, I don't know much about the origins of this. Apparently, it was confirmed by multiple sources. But as I said on my during the interview that I had on Star Wars Report, which is a great Star Wars uh, podcast that you need to check out, uh, that doesn't mean anything because. J.J. Abrams and his people might very well be playing these journalists and 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 feeding them false information. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is what was was leaked according to this source. Imagine the standard Star Wars crawl, and when it ends, the camera pans up to the stars up. But instead of a spaceship zooming into frame, we see a hand, a severed severed hand, tumbling through space. A severed hand gripping a lightsaber. That hand falls onto a desert planet where it is discovered by characters who will be our heroes. One is Daisy Ridley. The other is John Boyega, who is keeping, who is playing someone trying to change his path in life. Again, I'm keeping it vague here. They recognize the lightsaber as a Jedi relic and decide to return it to the proper people. Their quest takes them off-world and they meet up with Han Solo and Chewbacca, who aren't flying around in the Millennium Falcon anymore but are piloting... Well, that could be a spoiler. I'll leave it. Anyway, Han and Chewie recognize the lightsaber as Luke's and they say they haven't seen their friend in 30 years since the return of the Jedi. So begins a quest to find the missing Jedi Master. Meanwhile, on an ice planet, nefarious forces are building a super weapon, one capable of destroying not planets, but entire solar systems. 
Faraci also mentioned that Boyega basically owns the movie and there are extremely positive things about the action and the characters. He's comparing the storyline to Star Wars A New Hope at this point as a propulsive quest concept. And John Boyega's character is a stormtrooper who defects from his commander played by Gwendolyn Christie who might be taking the role Benedict Cumberbatch almost took. That's what Badass Digest had to say. Um, now, this is infamous, as they talked to a source who said the hand was too gruesome a way to kick off the new Star Wars, but the lightsaber is a key. As it was explained to me, that source says it is more of a through line of the Skywalker legacy that connects the prequels to the original trilogy to this new trilogy. Imagine you would saw the... Uh, you would see the prequels first when Obi-Wan presents Anakin's lightsaber to his son. That's some pretty cool connective tissue. That's the spirit in which this detail exists. So for those of you crying over episode 7 being the return of Luke's hand, take a deep breath and calm down. That's not the case. So according to Badass Digest, Gwendolyn Christie was seen training with a lightsaber and they also heard, but don't remember where, that John Boyega has cho chosen a lightsaber hilt too. So is it possible that we're not looking at Sith and Jedi, but at stormtroopers that can use lightsabers. It would make sense, as Ralph McQuarrie's stormtroopers were equipped with the early versions of lightsabers, and a lot of the designs in everything new Star Wars universe has been pulling on McQuarrie's artwork for inspiration. That's a lot of speculation yeah. based on no proof whatsoever. <laughs> I some of it just is, is not Star Wars. I mean, just it's, I, I can't imagine some of that ever coming to fruition. Well, the hand in space yeah. gripping a lightsaber, uh, honestly, how much suspension of disbelief would that ask <laughs> from the viewer? Not to mention that if this movie is ever, you know, pr turned into 3D, imagine you focusing on that those disappearing yellow letters and then all of a sudden there's this big lightsaber in your face. It's it just filmically, I don't see it. And how do they know that it's a lightsaber? I mean, it's just, a hand is tiny. <laughs> right. And I, I, I don't see, how could they know that it's Luke's lightsaber? Would they remember 30 years? Have they ever really looked at that lightsaber that closely? Aren't there any other lightsabers that look like that? It just, it sounds so fishy. And it, it, this yeah. sounds to me like something that could have been made up specifically to to confuse the fans. Yeah. Yeah, the, well, I mean, the, 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 I, I heard the, the rumor of, a, um, of Gwendolyn Christie being someone hunting down uh, John Boyega's character in a couple places, but yeah, yeah that extensive stuff, uh, maybe, maybe not, yeah. Well, and then that, I mean, yeah, I could totally see that. Why? Because I've seen her in Game of Thrones, and that's exactly the type of role that she plays there. So this could also just be something that someone made up based on what we've seen of her for now. But I don't know. I just... I, and, and, you know, the thing about the opening, if this is truly the opening, then, of course, this is going to be a special effects shot, right? It's going to be CGI or whatever. It's not going to be practical. Why on earth would they write that down on a piece of paper? <laughs> I mean, oh, they could just completely hide that and, yeah. and just tell the people over at, you know, Industrial Light and Magic to keep it for themselves. Why would that leak out at this stage of the game? I think the only leaks that we will that, that are believable are leaks that have photographic evidence that are based on, you know, people talking to people on location. That's definitely what I can see. Perhaps even lines of script, but 
of course, nobody has the the total script. You can bet that during that table read, they had to hand it in afterwards, right? I, and from I, now on, they will only get a small piece of paper. And that is what they will, and it's probably going to be on red paper, so you can't really, you know, take pictures of it or put it on a photocopier. And and they will have no material stuff to pass on to spy. So, yeah, it, this is just too fitting. <laughs> it's too obvious. So I don't think it's true. That's well, just from uh, you know, me having followed so many Star Wars rumors over the years. And this sounds just like the stuff that would come out around the prequels. And well, it was all going fake. back to your, your original point, um, so Kevin Smith did at least say that he saw Stormtroopers. So yeah. we at least... We have Kevin Smith saying that. Yeah, but stormtroopers with lightsabers. Uh, yeah, it was in Macquarie's designs, but does it make sense now? After that was those designs are from the the time when the story wasn't even finalized. So yeah, lightsabers are the weapons of people who wield the force, and stormtroopers yeah. don't wield the force. That's that's just basic Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah I don't buy it any of it. So <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Now, speaking of Gwendolyn Christie, she did do an interview about her role, um, but it was the usual interview where she says, you know, it was a dream come true. It's like nothing you ever imagined. Um, I'm incredibly lucky and it's a lot of fun. That's all she says. (laughs) So. It's like they hand these these uh, these 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 stock uh, answers out to them uh, yep. when they sign up the, on the dotted line. Say it's fun. Say you love J.J. Abrams. Say it's it's all it's the best Star Wars ever, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think we're almost through uh, most of what I had on my list. Um, uh, let's see. There was just another quote from Andy Serkis, who of course has read the entire script. Saying that um, it, the 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 movie is 100% honoring the original tr- three movies. It's filled with the love and sensibility of those films. That's what he said. But of course, we already knew that. And um, let's see. I'm just kind of quickly browsing through the rest of my notes here. Uh, well, there is a little bit of of uh, news about. Ryan Johnson, who is going to direct episode eight and oversee episode nine of Star Wars, and um, he is actually joking about uh, the, his plans for those two sequels. And it, it's a great interview that he did with the Film Spotting podcast, and I think that might already have been published or it will be published soon. Um, but he says, I'm excited, really excited about all the things I can tell you. Um, I want to play in this world. It's literally the first movie my dad put me in the car to see. And then he went on to say that he's currently hard at work at Lucasfilm. So that's interesting. He's already working on eight and nine. I'm just presuming that he's not joking here. Um, but that he spends his evening showing members of his crew films such as the Russian movie Letter Never Sent and 12 O'Clock High. <laughs> uh, <laughs> now, asked about newcomers to the Star Wars franchise, Johnson suggested they watch the original trilogy first before the prequels of the turn of the century. Storytelling-wise, 4 to 6 were constructed without the knowledge of the past before adding that there was something really beautiful about the prequels. Um, and then he joked about him uh, being inspired by, you know, he wants to go back, harken back to the days of the holiday special. <laughs> 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 that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah. 
it's there's not much news about those sequels, but it's it's uh, uh, of course pretty obvious that they're already in um, in production and probably already very far in in production. Um, that's about it. Oh, one last final tidbit: Lucasfilm is going to open an ILM outpost in London to work on the Star Wars movies. Um, but they will also work on other films produced in the UK, like Age of Ultron, the mm. follow-up to uh, Avengers Assemble. So uh, apparently Lucasfilm is, is here to stay in Europe. It's very cool. Uh, we also had confirmation that the n- first Star Wars standalone movie will be filmed in the UK next year. And remember, uh, at the helm, British director Gareth Edwards. It is already in production, according to this news. So, again, we don't know what this is going to be about. We have no idea what the main character is going to be, but he is very excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're going to read a lot of those uh, similar reports uh, in in the years to come. It's so exciting, but we can't say anything about it. All right, with that, I think it is high time to wrap up this uh, very long episode of Secrets of Star Wars. I hope you all enjoyed it. And, of course, uh, you can follow us on Secret Star Wars on Twitter. So, secret at Secret Star Wars. And we also have a Facebook page. And it is, uh, let me look it up. I always have to look it up. It's Star Wars Secrets. So, facebook.com slash Star Wars Secrets. And, of course, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter. All those uh, URLs are in the show notes on starwars.sqpn.com. Dom, thank you for joining me today. And we'll be back uh, probably in a few weeks from now with more Star Wars news and speculation. May the Force be with you. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.